This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday and that means it's time for our Zoomer Squad. It's two days before Christmas, a time of reflection and also frenzied preparation. Who are the winners and losers of the year? Unfortunately, I have to start with the losers as it is the latest news and the latest were GTA pedestrians, especially the older ones. The most recent victims were not Zoomers, but their grandchildren, two 19-year-olds killed while walking on the sidewalk uh, before they encountered an allegedly drunk driver. Now, a TVO editorial writer pointed out that the number of pedestrian fatalities on the roads is roughly equivalent to the number of people dying from gunfire. Now, that number, 41 killed by guns, 40 killed by motor vehicles. And think of the difference in the way those two problems are treated. Let's start there. And uh, since it's Christmas, we will ultimately get to more pleasant subjects. With that, I welcome David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media, and Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Hi, Zoomer Squad. Hi. Hi, Libby. Okay. And just by the way, Peter Mugridge is off on holiday. So let's start with that. Uh, it seems we can't, we really can't go more than a day or two without somebody being killed on our roads. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't, I'll, I'll jump in here. So let me just start by saying that my heart just breaks for the families that have been impacted by this, particularly around the holiday season. It makes it that much worse. So um, <clears throat> there's no time, there's no better time uh to kill his loved one. So again, my heart goes out to the families, those that are impacted. It does seem like the rate of death or injury is not slowing down since the implementation of Vision Zero. I'm not saying that it's not working, um, but I think that we aren't doing enough to invest in this program and that more has to be done. And, you know, with what the mayor announced not too long ago, implementing, you know, radar cameras and school zones, that'll be good, but they need to be more aggressive in terms of reducing speed limits, Increasing enforcement has to be a key part of trying to reduce the number of pedestrian deaths in the city of Toronto. Well, yeah, and we heard uh, one of the things that we found out was that there had been an enforcement unit by the police that it was axed a number of years ago under Rob Ford at City Hall, that since it was axed, the number of collisions just climbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are pretty sure that whatever it is that they do on the roads, and we watch them do it all the time, and probably sometimes we do things like that ourselves, uh, uh, you know, uh, they are putting back an enforcement unit at a cost of a million dollars, but it's eight people. David? But it's, I don't think that it's going to by itself be enough. I, what I'm really worried about is that this is the uh, third or fourth we got a maybe in a row, but certainly in the last 
half dozen. We're, we're, we've talked about this. And it doesn't seem to be um, anything that any of the remedies uh, can fix in the short run. And what I'm very worried about is that gradually, imperceptibly, it becomes the new normal. And we say, okay, we've thrown a million bucks at it, you know, through an enforcement unit. And it's a big city and there's a million drivers running around and um, somebody's eventually going to, you know, like the frog in the boiling water. This is just going to become the new normal. And it's going to be harder and harder to not accept it. And that that's a very dangerous place to go. But it seems like what we're trying isn't working. But the thing about enforcement is, like, at the moment... The status quo is people are getting away with criminal behavior because <clears throat> whether they're speeding or they're turning right where they ought not to be, there aren't enough police officers on the streets to catch it. And so they're getting away with it and they do it again. And so I think at a minimum, we need to start with enforcement. We need to make sure that there are more people on the streets catching this kind of behavior so that it doesn't happen in the first place. Now, in the case of the incident that occurred over the weekend um, with the drunk driver, I mean, I, I saw quite a few... Um, uh, what are they called? The roadside detection units. Okay, the ride the program. The ride program. I saw quite a few of them out, certainly where I live. Um, and I know that they're fairly expensive to operate, um, but particularly around the holiday season, I mean, I think they need to be out in, in full force. Well, I think they are. Yeah. I, I, I think they are. I mean, the, they, they can't be on every corner. I mean, maybe we need more of them in, in those areas where the most serious collisions have occurred. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that there are necessarily more drunk drivers on the road there. There've just been more terrible things happening there. Mm. Uh, but David, I'm wondering, you know, I, I found this editorial on the TVO website very interesting. And do you think that there is a marked difference in the way they treat death by gunfire and death by car and, and, are they throwing more resources, even though the number of people that are killed is the same? Well, I think it's true. I think that that's kind of what I was saying, that if the pedestrian thing becomes sort of, well, you know, with the X million people in the city, this is kind of a threshold that we're trying our best. We'll throw the resources at it. Guns are, are, are inherently, uh, I think, a scarier topic to most people. I mean, the number of people that drive a car who have been in a fender bender maybe not a fatality, but see cars all the time, whereas I've never seen anybody, uh, uh, I don't think I've ever seen anybody shoot a gun, let alone shot by a gun. So it, 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 it tends to get the, the fear factor up a lot more. Um, and so gradually the traffic becomes, you know, we'll put some cameras here. I'm not minimizing it. They're, they're, they, they've got to do more. They're going to try to do more. But I think you're quite right. I think it is treated differently. Um and in pedestrian deaths might be this kind of insidious, creeping uh, condition that we gradually uh, sort of accept as part of uh, living in a big city. And that's what I'm very afraid of. I don't want to accept it, but I can, I can see it coming. I can see people just getting more numbed out by it. And, you know, I'll do my best. I'll try to be careful. And um, I don't like it. I share uh, Marissa's feelings of, you know, heartfelt sympathy with the families. It's terrible. But I'm worried that, you know, how many weeks in a row is this going to happen? And it then just becomes, you know... Because we're, we're into we big, uh, we're into uh, big drinking season now. And, we are you indeed. know, 
David's question, I'd like to throw it out for people. Um, are we getting numb to this? The numbers mm-hmm. to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And let's hear from Clay and Ajax. Hi, Clay. Hi, it's uh, Darren Clay from Ajax again. <laughs> I said this before, Libby, on your program. When they start charging these people with premeditated murder, when they climb behind the wheel and kill somebody, maybe then we'll get some responses. As it is now, drunk drivers, they're in and out, and they're back on the road driving drunk within a week or two, and that's it. Uh, I, don't, I, I think that they get more than that, uh, possibly a lot more than that, but we have seen cases where uh, people end up with a second or third conviction after however many years, and that's just... Uh, unacceptable. Look at the multimillionaire's son there that uh, flew his own plane drunk and then killed those people, and what did he get? Uh, he he didn't fly a plane, but he drove his car completely yeah, drunk. He, he, came, he came home in his private plane, Libby. Uh, whatever, but he's, yeah, uh, he he's, got, he's got significant jail time, but um, that doesn't bring back that terrible, the, it doesn't bring back the family. No, the the loss is there. But I, I recently got stopped in a ride program, and it's great because I'm 33 years, five months, and 10 days sober. And I say, keep up the good work, guys. You know, like, God, they can't be everywhere, but I wish they could be out a lot more than they are. Uh, Yeah, a lot of people feel that way, and congratulations on your sobriety, Clay, and Merry Christmas. You know, Libby, I just wish I would have put a dollar away for every beer I used to drink. (laughs) Okay. That's another story. Thanks for your call. Happy having you. Okay, thanks. Okay, um, as promised, let's pivot maybe to some things that are a little more pleasant. Let's discuss who are the winners and the losers of the year. Let's start with Marissa. Oh, all right. Well, I have. let's start with the winner, maybe. Okay. My winner for this year is Deb Schulte. She's, of course, the new seniors minister. Congratulations to her. She's a cancer survivor, and she has an incredible resume. And uh, I can say that CARP is seriously looking forward to working with her. We've already had a number of discussions, and we are certainly aligned on a number of issues. So she would be my winner this year. <clears throat> my loser is Andrew Shear. Now, some might call him a winner because he... Oh, I don't reduced, think anybody I know would call him a winner. <laughs> well, he reduced the... Lip, so for the cons- those big C conservatives out there, he was able to reduce... Well, maybe it might not have been through his own doing, but... He reduced the liberal government to a minority. So some might view that as a win. However, he was forced to step down because of inappropriately using funds where he ought not to have been using for his children's private school education. And uh, for that reason, he is my loser of the year. Okay, well, I I would argue he's my loser of the year, too, by the way. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you stole mine, Marissa. But but I would cite a bunch of other reasons. I th- I think that he's basically gone because his party realized that he's not electable as prime minister. Period. Um, but uh, let's move along to David. Your winners. Well, and losers. Uh, yeah, just to, to piggyback on share. It's too. Uh, I didn't pick him only because uh, it, it's too obvious. He, he he's not electable as a PM, but also. He blew an electable election. It's not yeah. like he was coming on strong and we really liked the campaign he fought and he's sure to win next time. Um, he was handed a lot of opportunities that he didn't, um, that he didn't uh, take advantage of. 
Um, that said, I would flip that around. My loser of the year is an apparent winner, which is uh, Justin Trudeau, because I think that although he won the election, uh, the damage to his uh, persona, let's say, was uh, irreversible. Now, he may turn out to be the winner next year, because according to what I'm reading, he's trying to pivot to a more business-like, less, less sort of talkative and showy uh, demeanor, and we'll see how that plays. But he really, uh, his brand was tarnished um, in a way that uh, I don't think is easy to come back from. So he's going to have to rebrand, and we'll see what you know. See how that uh, how that works. So he he would be my loser of the year. My winner may be a little surprising. Also, I think um, I'm going to go with uh, Doug Ford because I think that he did the reverse. He had a terrible position early on in his uh, administration, and he seems to have come on in a bit more of a reasoned, mature way, and he's even, you know, trying to work with Trudeau and trying to work, trying to be a bit of a statesman among the premiers. We'll see whether he can pull it off. Um, there's certainly a lot of critics, but I think that he has uh, repaired a lot of damage, and Trudeau, uh, although he won an election, sustained a lot of damage. So maybe I'm a little bit contrarian on both of those. Okay, well, I don't think you're contrarian on Trudeau, and... Uh, in terms of Doug Ford, I'd say the jury is out because he, he's certainly making all the right noises. The latest polling does not reflect, you know, any kind of significant improvement as a result of it. Maybe that takes time, but he's certainly making an effort to change the channel, as it were. Now, in terms of, of Trudeau, um, I agree that he's the loser. He's trying to change the channel, but so here is here's the thing. Uh, he had uh, he was uh, convicted is the wrong word, but found guilty of a conflict of interest with that uh, Aga Khan vacation a couple of years ago. Well, he's on vacation again, and he did get it approved by the ethics commissioner in advance. But he's in Costa Rica with a retinue on a private plane, costing Canadian taxpayers millions of dollars for his holiday in Costa Rica. So, um, I don't know. Um, Marissa, is, is that a good look? No, I wouldn't think it was a good look for him, though I, I do disagree. You know, some of the comments that you guys made earlier with respect to Andrew Scheer and it being a winnable election for him, I don't think it was. I do think that we don't really, it's not often you see a one-term prime minister in Canada, and um, particularly with Justin Trudeau and that sort of, you know, celebrity factor that he has. He's a very, he's a household name. People know him. And SNC-Lavalin was another scandal that he was sort of embroiled in, and it didn't seem to resonate with the Canadian public whatsoever. So um, I think that the Conservatives didn't expect Andrew Scheer to necessarily win, and they're preparing now to put in the real guy who's going to eventually take that party to um, to victory. Uh, well, uh, again... Or woman, we'll... or the real guy or woman, maybe. Sure. It might be yes, it might I, I, be a woman, but uh, I I think that Peter McKay's off the cuff comment that uh, it was like shooting at an empty net. They didn't expect Sheer to be the guy. He was an interim guy, but there was this confluence of factors that did I think make it winnable for the right candidate. And I also I think, think I, I agree with you. I think I think that's absolutely right. And also, he made a lot of uh, gratuitous mistakes that. You know, looking ahead, you would expect your leader not to make even if he went, even if he got defeated. I mean, you're not going to start 
running commercials saying Justin Trudeau not as advertised, and then not disclose that you're a dual citizen, you know, American Canadian, especially since that's so uncontroversial. Mm-hmm. Um, these are just silly goofs that weren't necessary, and I think that's what what uh, a lot of the people in the in, I, I'm not in you know, in the party, let alone an insider in the party. But from what I read, a lot of the people didn't like that. Well, I also think that there are a group of, uh, there is a group of people in the party uh, that might be more socially liberal or uh, something like that, uh, who wanted him out and who were powerful people and knew how to get that done. Uh, There, you know, I think there are quite a few LGBTQ people in the conservative party who really didn't like his stance. So I, I don't know. There are people who uh, in the party who wanted him out, and the conservatives, of course, have a big history and big talent at uh, knifing their own. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, they have a long yeah. and storied <laughs> yeah. career at that. So who's the who who's the winner? Uh, y- your winner was whom again, David? Well, I picked I picked Ford only because oh, I right, thought Ford, he's reversing sorry. he's reversing his um, his. Um, his course. You know, okay, decline. that was my bad. It flew yeah. out of my mind. Yeah. Okay. But I, don't, I don't insist on that. And you're right. The polls certainly, it's not like he's won already, but I think he's taken a few steps toward um, maybe growing into the job a bit, making not, not as many unforced errors. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Okay. And let, a pleasant let, surprise that came from, from Doug Ford, of course, was the, the introduction of a low-income seniors dental plan. Okay, yes which was um, very popular among our membership that we were quite we were quite quite pleased with. Of course, there's always room for growth and to invest more in this type of program. But kudos to the Ontario government for um, actually, you know, making the leap forward to, to invest in this because it's so critically important for people who don't have access to, to dental care. Okay, now l- let's take a call from Sam in Toronto. Hi, Sam. Hey, happy holidays to you. Good happy morning. holidays. Yeah, good afternoon. Well, uh, you know, back to your old uh, topic, I think, um, you know, with this driving, the very popular culture, you know, uh, legalized weed, and, you know, we're already drinking a lot. It's a drinking country. So, in a lot, we are asking for this uh, sort of, you know, uh, tragedies, you know, to pedestrian heat. I'm not blaming all on it, but, you know, this is basically what the new trend will be. And another thing, you're going towards, you know, more like a, a corporate police department. You know, there is privatization. I see more cops on construction sites than I see on actual duty. Uh, that's so you know, that's ways, an interesting point. I have to say, yeah, uh, me too. And, you know, yeah, and you know, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, uh, uh, I think you basically uh, this guy want to buy a smoke from me. No, it's okay. Please go, go. And uh, and in a lot of ways, I think you uh, have to look at it. You know, in a general term. Uh, what we what we want to do with uh, law enforcement? My my daughter goes goes to York University. She uh, forgot her student ID, you know, TTC uh, student ID, and she was uh, fined two hundred and ninety dollars, you know, for not having that ID with her, even though she had paid for the fare and everything else. And they charge her almost three hundred bucks for something so minor, so minor, uh, and uh, yet, as you said, you know, we don't have, we are not enforcing. Uh, big issues like you know these uh, uh, you know uh, people speeding and people like breaking the law and everything else. So in a lot of ways, I think uh, there is a disproportionate uh, you know 
uh, influence on the whole this uh, you know law enforcement. I I I agree with I agree with you uh, that you two, know you... Uh, Libby, there was yeah. two cops, TTC cops, who came to catch her while she got off the bus. Two, not one, <laughs> two, just for because she didn't have the ID at the time with her, even though she had paid for everything. Everything was legal. She paid her, she paid her fare and everything else. Oh, you got a, you don't have your student ID with you. She said, I have the York University. No, we want the TTC issued. Okay, you know what? Um, And in the context of the what? What is it that uh, we missed? Over sixty million dollars in fair fair jumpers and and people who are stealing. And this is what they do for your daughter. I mean, it just seems. Uh, it she seems her stupid. She didn't jump anything. She paid her fare. And I, then she I get it. Her, I she, get it. I'm saying she, it seems yeah, she, crazy. Yeah, that's right. That's why she was followed up. And then she, they stopped her in the middle of like, and then she was making a turn. And she said, what have, what have I done? She says, oh, where's your ID? I said, here is my York University ID. She says, no, 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 that's not good enough. And then they took all the information. Anyway, $290 for a student. She's working like part time to pay bills, and now she's like she has to go to court for three hundred dollars. Okay, anyway. yes. Okay, Sam. Um, that sounds ridiculous. Sam, thanks for your call. Thank you. Thank you. Can tell Sam's pretty annoyed about that, but I I think that right. that underlines a general point about disproportionality that, mm-hmm. that that this is what happens to his daughter. Meanwhile, everybody is getting away with serious traffic offenses. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on here, and I and he's also right. How many off-duty cops do you see on our many, many construction and whatever sites that make it even harder to drive? It's you know, it's it's just frustrating. Not to speak of how many construction sites there are. As well, yeah, exactly. So, but I think Sam's point is, I mean, you always run into a bureaucratic mindset that enforces what it can. And then let's go what it can't. And uh, it, it seems to be out of balance, you know, in, in a lot of ways. You're right. There are, there are a lot of police that are engaged in, let's say, other activities. Um, but I think, you know, to your earlier caller about the uh, enforcement, if I went outside with a gun, fired it into the air, didn't hit anybody, uh, I would face a raft of charges associated with firearms that I don't necessarily face uh, behind the wheel. And he was right about, you know, I, I think drunk drivers who commit homicide, there is jail time, but uh, maybe they've got to crack down harder in the ride program if you, if, you, if you blow hard, you know, if you're a little over the limit, what is the fine? What is the penalty? Are we, are we showing that we are treating this seriously? And I think sometimes the answer is no. And drunk driving that does commit a homicide, as you said, yep, you'd end up in jail, but... Why wouldn't you end up, I mean, would you necessarily end up in jail for just drunk driving where there were no incidents, thank God, but you were caught maybe by a ride program? So I think we need to look at penalties yeah, because that is, a, yeah. that is a real deterrent. Um, and it just doesn't seem to be getting through to users of the road, just how easy it is to be distracted, even on cell phones, distracted um, and then, you know, causing, causing death. Okay, you know what? We are almost out of time. It's two days <laughs> Before Christmas, so so let's end with this question: pleasant surprise of the year, Marissa. Okay, I might have said it earlier, but my pleasant surprise of the year was dental care for low-income seniors in Ontario. I was delighted by this announcement. I think it's an incredibly important program. We know that people 
uh, where they're strapped may choose to forego um, uh, dental cleaning, um, but it has a real impact on your overall health. People don't realize the inextricable link between those two. So I was pleased to see that program uh, brought in. David? I have a tie between two. Am I allowed to? Yes, you're um, allowed to. It's, given all the naysaying of six months ago, present surprise number one, the British election number two, the uh, continued performance of the stock market. <laughs> okay, and you were quick about the two of them. And uh, before we go very quickly looking ahead to next year, um, one big hope for next year from each of you. Oh, well, the biggest hope of all, of course, would be the elimination of hallway medicine, as was promised by our um, Ontario government and other provinces uh, across the other governments, um, provincial governments across the country. So we'll see. David? And piggybacking onto that in a wider sense, uh, my biggest hope is that next year's year that Canadians finally make healthcare the number one issue and put the fear of God into the politicians. Okay. On we'll that do our note, part. we'll do our part. <laughs> okay. On that note, Merry Christmas, Happy Merry Hanukkah, Christmas. Merry Christmas, and Hanukkah. Uh, Zoomer Squad. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks so much. All the best, everyone. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.